When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to another live episode of the Wisco Fanatic Show, where we discuss the Packers, Bucks, Brewers, Badgers football, and basketball from an optimistic perspective. Wisco Fanatics is brought to you by Cardboard Legacy, Wisconsin's most complete sports card shop. Buy, sell, grade, and consign all at their location in Oshkosh. Welcome back. We're live on another Wisco Fanatics Friday night. Uh, we're very excited. We have Mike Spofford back with us. Real quick before we jump into talking about the Packers, we just want to say again, we are doing a live 50-50 raffle that's going to be announced on January 24th. Jake and I are going to the Senior Bowl in Alabama this year, so we are very excited. So we're just uh, looking for for people who watch the show to, to help us out a little bit with uh, paying for the trip, and we appreciate anybody who uh, who participates and helps us out. So thank you for that, for anybody who's going to participate in that. Other than that, uh, Mike, how you doing? Welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. How's everybody doing? Well, I mean, you heard our news, so that's what we got going on. Yeah, we're we're living good over here, man. Uh, I'll be at the Packers-Bears game. Thanks to you. Thank you again. Uh, so my son and I are going to be enjoying that on Sunday. Awesome. Uh, we have our first game for basketball season tomorrow, so hopefully I can get two Ws this weekend, man. That would be fantastic. That sounds like a good plan. Uh, sign me up for that. That sounds that sounds about right. Hell yeah, man. Simon, how you doing, buddy? You're muted, so we're all doing better because we can't hear you. So that's good. <laughs> Smooth. <laughs> all right, I'll give him a chance. Okay, so I'm gonna say because Bryant isn't here, I asked him if he had any questions that he would have wanted to ask you. So the thing that he wanted to ask was, <laughs> how do you think Bears fans feel that Jordan Love in his first season as a full starter has eclipsed their franchise records? <laughs> yeah, I've seen uh, I've seen a lot of discussion about that. I mean, I mean, if you're if you're a Bears fan, I think you're just kind of used to you're kind of used to it, right? I mean, <laughs> I I think I think honestly, what probably is more distressing as a Bears fan is that. The Packers might have just might have hit on a third consecutive, like really, really darn good quarterback, um, and uh, and you're gonna have to face this guy twice a year, 
for perhaps a really, really long time. Um, and, uh, you know, the first time the Packers and Bears met week one this year, it was, you know, the very start of things. We didn't know where things were going to go. Obviously, Jordan Love played well in that game. There were some games the Packers offense did not play well. Jordan Love did not play well. We have a, a much larger body of work now. And uh, I'm sure as you guys have discussed on the show and has been discussed a lot out there in the media, there's, uh, you know, there's almost no question anymore that the Packers uh, feel like they've found their guy. And I think, you know, next spring when the deadline passes in terms of, you know, redoing Jordan Love's contract again, you know, I, I firmly believe the Packers are going to uh, work out something long-term with Jordan Love and he is going to be the guy in Green Bay for the foreseeable future. Absolutely. Jake and I were just talking about that today. We broke down <clears> – <throat> We broke down some plays, and it's like I don't see how anybody at this point cannot think that he's the guy. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, there's there's uh, there's there's been there's been too much there's been too much good out there to to make you to make you really question. And I think the fact that the fact that he's shown what he has shown in his first year as a starter, and you know that you know he hasn't hit his ceiling yet. We don't know what the ceiling is. Um, you know, it may not be as high as Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre, and that's okay. But I don't think Jordan Love is as good as he's going to be uh, in time. And uh, and you know, if you have that belief in him, there's no reason not to uh, make the commitment to him and then and then build around him moving forward. 100%. So let me ask you this: Who between Justin Fields and Jordan Love, who do you think has more to gain and more to lose on Sunday? <laughs> Interesting question. I mean, I'll be honest. Like, I, I'm just not buying into, like, the narratives that are out there that the whole decision on Justin Fields is going to hinge on this one game against the Green Bay Packers on Sunday. Like, I, I'm sorry. I, I mean, if that's the way the bears are going about it, then like, I, I'm, you know, I guess that's, I guess that's their prerogative, but. Would it surprise you though? <laughs> I mean, to, to, to hinge, to hinge a decision like that on, on one game, you know, I mean, in, in that context to answer your question, yes, I think Justin Fields, certainly has more on the line than than Jordan Love does. I mean, you know, this is either a playoff berth for the Packers or not, but how the future looks for the Green Bay Packers is pretty clear whether or not the Packers win this game on Sunday. As far as the Bears are concerned, I mean, you know, I d- I did a podcast yesterday. I think I think it was uh I think it was launched today by one of the stations in Chicago. I talked with them yesterday and they actually asked me my thoughts about Justin Fields. And I said to me, if, if I'm the bears, I I guess call me crazy, but I just, I don't think the, the framing of the question is, you know, surrounded around Justin Fields. To me, it's about what kind of offense do you want to have? Do you want to have an offense where the quarterback is a big part of the running game is you know with with designed runs not just the scrambles and the improv and all that but mm-hmm. with designed runs because that's what Justin Fields does mm-hmm. and and the passing game is very complementary to that or do you want to have an offense that looks a little bit more like the rest of the NFC North what the Lions are doing with Goff and what they might do with Hendon Hooker down the road 
what the Vikings have done over the years with Cousins, what the Packers are building with Jordan Love, what I guess I would call more conventional or traditional NFL offense. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to if you want to be Lamar Jackson light, you know, then go for it. Fine. Then that's your decision. And you move forward with Justin Fields. If you want to be something different, then you start over and you don't try to make Justin Fields into somebody that he's not. And to me, the question for the Bears is what do they want to be? Who do they want to be on offense? And if they answer that question, then the other question becomes easier to answer. That's fair. And they might have to take a look at offensive coordinator, regardless of what they do. Yeah. So Brad asked, what do the Packers offer love on an extension? And what would you think maybe a framework for that would be? <laughs> You're asking the wrong guy on that. As far as, <laughs> as far as the numbers go, like, I, you know, I honestly don't know. And, and, you know, the, they'll, whatever they try to figure out, you know, they'll, they'll want to structure it, you know, in a way that, uh, um, you know, that provides them the flexibility they want, you know, in, you know, in the early years as they continue to build. I mean, it's all going to be, it's all going to be about, you know, the long-term outlook of things. I mean, when you look at where the receiving core, the tight ends, everything is right now, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of young guys and they know there are a lot of young guys that they're going to have to take care of a couple years down the road if they want to mm-hmm. keep them in the fold, you know, where are things at running back, you know, hard, you know, hard to say, um, and, uh, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, there are certainly, you know, a lot of veteran players there, but there's also some, you know, some young talent, you know, Quay Walker and Lucas Van Ness and guys like that, that I think they're going to build around on the defensive side of the ball. So it's all in terms of how that, how that contract gets structured. I mean, it, it's, it's all about, it's all about, you know, where the rest of the team is and, and when they expect, you know, some of those other contracts to, uh, to come due and, and the guys that they want to keep in the fold long-term. So I'm curious because you mentioned the running back room. So mm-hmm. what are your what are your thoughts on Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, who are both, you know, potentially back, not back, up in the air, drafting a guy? I know we had this conversation last week and a lot of people were talking about maybe Braylon Allen, uh, things like that. Um, you know, Packers never seem to draft Wisconsin players, but <laughs> Braylon Allen seems like a guy who could potentially fit really well given a, a future need at running back maybe, maybe beyond 2024. Yeah. I mean, I think it starts with what, with what they decide to do with Aaron Jones, Um, you know, based on, based on his salary for next year and whatnot. I mean, I, I don't know if I see him coming back at that number, you know, do they go to him and try to bring that number down a little bit? I mean, Aaron Jones is, is uh, I mean, he's shown the last two weeks, what he still brings to this offense, obviously when he's healthy, but, you know, you have to, you have to, if you want to bring him back, which I would think the Packers would want to bring him back, but given his injury history and the risk there and his age, I mean, you have to bring him back at a reasonable number. And then when, once you reach, once you sort of get that sorted out, then I think the rest of it starts to fall into place as to whether AJ Dillon fits into the plans, whether you just go into the draft and, you know, draft a couple guys and, and go young, you know, I mean, and, I mean, who knows where things go with Emmanuel Wilson? I mean, you know, this was a young guy, undrafted player, showed a heck of a lot in the preseason. And, you know, I think I think the Packers think pretty highly of him. And it's possible we could see him get activated this weekend with A.J. Dillon being ruled True. out True. Uh, with the uh, with the stinger. 
and uh, and we might see Wilson, you know, back in action here before um, before things are all said and done. So I think I guess I would say t- to me the running back picture is not very clear moving forward. There are certainly some things to sort out, but the Packers have plenty of options. I mean, you know, they the, they have different ways that they can go about this, and and uh, but I think it starts it starts with the decision on Aaron Jones. And then the rest of the dominoes kind of fall from there. And we've we've mentioned this too. I've mentioned it more to, to the guys in the group chat that we're in, but the Packers have picks. They could make a trade too if they wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. When you've got when you when you've got uh what is it right now, five five picks in the first three rounds. Um yeah, five picks in the top one hundred. Yeah. I mean yeah, when you when you've got five picks in the first three three rounds, you're gonna have some you're gonna have some flexibility to uh, you know to either move around on the board to get where you want to to uh, to draft certain guys or you know to um, you know to use some of those picks as as assets for other types of moves too. So um, you know, as I said, I think I think Brian Gutekunst has set himself up to. Uh, to have a lot of options and a lot of different avenues, you know, he can, he can go down uh, moving forward. And, uh, and regardless of what happens on Sunday, you know, the biggest question for every football team that's out there has, in my opinion, has been answered for the Packers. They have their guy under center and now you go from there. Yeah. Should be illegal that the Packers have three straight good quarterbacks, I say, Uh, (laughs) but ha ha to the Chicago bears. So, Here's a, here's a here's something that we've been talking about. Packers fans have been talking about the last couple of weeks. Uh, something that happened after the Buccaneers game was an interview with Devondre Campbell, right? And brought up a lot of controversy. But just wanted to get your opinions on on what he said after that game. Yeah, I mean, obviously after that Tampa Bay game, you know, everybody on the defense was was taking a lot of heat um, for for what happened there, and it was it was a it was as bad a day at the office as it gets, right? I mean, we all saw it. Uh, there's no, um, there's no two ways about it. I think, I mean, personally, I think it, some of the stuff that I saw on social media and the clips that people were posting and everything like that, I thought Devondre Campbell was very unfairly singled out for having a, you know, a rough game, and, you know, <laughs> you know. My perspective, you know, my advice, my advice to NFL players is, man, after a bad game, just stay off social media. Like it is not a place that you want to go. You know, I, you know, I don't know this for certain. And Devondre Campbell, you know, he, he keeps things, you know, kind of close to the vest. He doesn't really talk a whole lot and that's his right. Um, I think his response a lot was to the, was to the criticism, criticism he was receiving from the outside not so much anything that was going on internally. I don't know that for a fact, mm-hmm. but that's just that's just what I surmise. Yeah. And um, and yeah, I don't think a lot of people on the outside knew, you know, how much he was hurting. You know how much how much he was, you know, playing hurt. Um, and uh, and hopefully, you know, the fact that he was able to take these last two weeks off. Now he is, you know, he's actually off the injury report oh, yeah. entirely. Uh, from the final injury report that came out earlier today. And uh, obviously they need him, you know, with, uh, with Isaiah McDuffie getting, you know, going into concussion protocol after the game against Minnesota. So um, hopefully, uh, you know, the couple weeks off did uh, Devondre Campbell some good. And uh, um, you know, it, it, it's unfortunate that 
it's unfortunate that it came to that. But but again, like, I guess to me, you know, I'm not a big social media guy anyway. I mean, if you guys, you know, follow me on on Twitter or whatever, like, I think I have probably the least amount of followers by a long shot of any Packers beat reporter. And quite frankly, <laughs> I don't care. I almost wear it as a badge of honor that uh, that of all the Packers beat reporters, like I have the fewest number of followers. So because um, it just it, it just doesn't, you know, it's just not my thing. And, and that's OK. And for those that it is their thing, more power to you. But um, but if I were a professional athlete in this day and age, the last place I would go after a bad game for my team or for me individually, whatever, would be social media. And and uh, um, I think to do that, to do that is is just inviting uh, way too much negativity into your world. Yeah. Well, not something we're working on. Like we, we, we recognize that and it's, it's unfortunate because it is a reality that, yep. that social media, when, when outcomes aren't what people expect or what they want, that it just becomes a, <clears throat> it's like you said, it's just inviting a world of negativity. Yeah, I mean, and anybody anybody who thinks that Baker Mayfield's one fifty eight point three was because of one player, like, Man. doesn't know anything about football. I mean, I'm sorry, there there is nobody on that Packers defense, maybe with the exception of Kenny Clark that day, who could have walked off that field and felt and felt you know that they had that they had anything you know that they had any kind of a positive impact on that game i mean that was just a that was a bad day at the office for the entire defense everybody has to take ownership of it and uh, you know in our society of course it's all about trying to point fingers trying to find who's the most to blame yep. or, you know if, if this if this had changed or if this guy had done this i mean you know that's a that when 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 things go that south for a team for a unit uh, you know, to to try to start pointing fingers is uh, is you know kind of ludicrous, frankly. It's something that I've I've called it the scapegoat mentality for large parts of this season. People just want to be like, well, if it wasn't for this one thing, we would have won this game, right? People want to feel closer to you know closer to the outcome having gone in the other direction. But it's, sure. I got I got to say one thing real quick. Can we stop? Okay, Devondre Campbell. You know, he was part of a defense that played bad that day. I can't believe people were saying stuff to his wife. Can, can we leave the family members out of it, dude? That's, that's ridiculous. Gross. Why? Like, I've never understood the that. The thing that bothers me about it is that we are Packers fans. Yeah. So we are part of this fan base. Yeah. And then when people like represent us really poorly, like that reflects on the whole group. Yep. And it's and it's like that's bad for all of us when people act like that. And that's something that we are trying to get people to like kind of be on board with is like, hey. When you act like a shitty person, like that reflects back on all of us. Right. Like that's how people feel about like Philly and Boston and LA fans. Like they have a reputation of being bad people. Right. We don't want that. Yeah. Jake and I talked about this on Wednesday with the Bucks. Like we have to have intangible things that make people want to come here because the weather is not great. <laughs> because we might not be like for some sports, we might not be able to offer as much money as other people. We have to have reasons for people to want to come here, and yep. people is always going to be one of them. Yeah, I agree. I I agree entirely. I I don't I don't understand. You know, I don't understand the uh, you know the mentality the mentality of of trying to make I guess trying to make other people's lives miserable for some reason. Like you know, you need 
you need company in your misery for some reason. Like just, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't get that. And, uh, and I just, I don't pay it much attention, quite frankly. No, it's, it's ridiculous. I think one of the things that, can you guys hear me now, by the way? Yep. Okay, cool. I think one of the things that I've been trying to really push a narrative on is people not understanding that they don't know everything that goes on. So going back to the Devondre Campbell tweet, like who knows what that was aimed at, but everyone's like, oh, Matt LaFleur is losing the locker room. Matt LaFleur is losing the locker room. It's like, you don't know that. And my first thought was he's probably talking about the fan base because that's what we do. Um, But I with think an it's actual funny when people double no. down on the locker room thing, oh, yeah. like just on that thing specifically, where it's like you can literally see videos from the locker room, and then people are like, oh, they're only showing you what they want you to see. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Anyways, yeah, go ahead. Uh, but to an actual question, uh, I think another player that kind of falls on that Aaron Aaron Jones realm is Preston Smith. And he's getting a little older, but he's been a really steady player for us since he's joined us from Washington. Mm-hmm. What did I say? Tyler and I had this conversation. I yeah, called him old said, earlier, and he's Jake, literally the same was age calling as me. Preston Smith older <laughs> this morning, and then yeah, this afternoon, and realized that he's yeah older than Preston. Right. I was like, oh shit, we're the same age. <laughs> but I think he kind of falls in that territory. I was wondering if you had any insight on how maybe the Packers feel kind of in the same boat as Aaron Jones. Yeah, I mean, I. I would say yes and no. I mean, there, there are some similarities there, but um, you know, but the position, the position that he plays, you know, and I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not comparing Preston Smith to, you know, a hall of famer like Von Miller, but there are guys that edge rusher, you know, at, at, uh, you know, at a defensive end edge rusher type position in this league who they can, they can be pretty effective for a while, you know, later into their careers more so than, than at running back. And, what Preston Smith has done this year, um, you know, I, I think I said this in our insider inbox column, either today or another day this week. I mean, somebody had asked me who's the defensive MVP for this team in 2023. And I just said, well, I'm a big fan of, of reliability and consistency and then being able to make those, you know, high impact plays every once in a while. And so for me, you know, that's, that's, uh, you know, a toss up between Kenny Clark and Preston Smith on this 2023 Packers defense. Those guys are always out there. They are as reliable as it gets. They are assignment sound players. And Kenny Clark has a, you know, career high six and a half sacks and Preston Smith is at, what is he at? Like eight and a half, nine, eight and a half sacks. And a couple of those are, are strip sacks, you know, with getting the ball out last week being, being a big one. And, uh, so, I mean, I, I think there's, I think there's absolutely a place on this defense for, for Preston Smith moving forward. Again, you know, the finances, you know, the contract numbers, the cap numbers, all that, they'll, they'll work all that out. Um, and, uh, um, but, but, uh, but what Preston Smith has done for this team and for this defense, I, I personally don't think he's done yet. I like it. <clears throat> okay. So it's pretty much like a foregone conclusion at this point that the Packers are going to have a new defensive coordinator next year. Like even like, I know uh, Bill Huber even asked uh, somebody asked Bill Huber and he responded to the question that people asked him if they get the sense that Joe Barry understands that he's not going to be back next year. And even Bill Huber answered in the affirmative. So is it something that like, 
obviously the Packers played really good defense last week. And we we made a post about it and we were like right up front, like we understand that this isn't gonna like save his job over the last two weeks. Right. But as far as next year, and we would actually would love to have you on if we do a full episode about it, is but what are what are some things that maybe you're looking for from a, a defensive coordinator, maybe scheme wise or personality wise that you would like to see from 2024? Yeah, I mean I, th- I think the I think the question the question that Matt Lafleur will have to answer moving forward is is what kind of you know and I don't mean it's necessarily scheme but al- almost even more of I, I guess just overall like approach mentality you know big picture thinking like what kind of what kind of a defense do you want to have um, and I think the, and this is this is just my opinion um, but but I think. From what I've seen, from what I've seen over the years with the Packers, and what I've seen, you know, in watching other teams, I think there are some there are, there are defenses out there that have that very much have an attack and set the tone and try to dictate to the offense as much as possible type of mentality, and there are other defenses that are that are more that are more reactive. Um, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, try to prepare for all the possibilities, react to what they're going to do, you know, et cetera. I think, I think those are sort of the big picture, you know, approaches of how to do things. And I think, I think when you're talking about the first one, you're talking about that attack mentality and being very aggressive. I think it's, I think it's a lot easier with a group of players, with a group of professional athletes to have that mentality and then at certain times and in certain situations, you want to dial it back a little bit as opposed to having the other approach and the other mentality. And then at times saying, okay, now we're going to crank it up and now we're going to go forward. So I, I think that's what, I, I think that's what Matt LaFleur has to weigh. And, uh, and I just, I just don't know over the long haul if trying to, trying to flip the switch to the aggressive attack mentality when that's not really your overarching philosophy defensively. I just don't know if over the long haul that's going to work. It may work here and there. And we've certainly seen the Packers play some pretty darn good defense at times mm-hmm. over the last couple of years. But as I said to you, I think I've said it on this show when I've been on it before and I've said it in several forums on our website, the biggest problem the lar- the overarching problem with this Packers defense over the last couple of years is it has been wildly inconsistent. You see yeah. really, really good defense, and then you just see just really, really bad games and bad performances. And that type of roller coaster, the ups and the downs and the inconsistency, that's just you 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 can't continue to play that way. So that's where I feel something has to change. And if you're going to make a change, then you have to decide philosophically what what is going to be uh what is going to be your approach and, and and mentality in terms of in terms of the i guess the overarching idea and then you know making adjustments from there so if you're brian gutekunst to matt lafleur how wide of a net do you cast for your potential new coordinator that's a really good question i mean i i don't i mean i think you cast as wide a net as as you possibly can. I mean, you've got, you know, you've got Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith and Lucas Van Ness and 
you know, either even, you know, smaller guys in terms of maybe their roles, but like TJ Slayton. And I mean, you've got a lot of guys on this defense that I would think a lot of defensive coordinators out there would look at the Green Bay Packers job as defensive coordinator with Jordan Love being the quarterback on the other side. This is going to be an extremely attractive job, in my opinion. And so I wouldn't uh, I I wouldn't narrow the focus too much in terms of what you're looking for. Throw the net out there and uh, and you know see you know see what you might be able to catch. And you may have some ideas going in, of course, as to what you're looking for. But by the same token, by the same token, you never know, right? So um, I I think I think the job is going to be extremely attractive based on the team the Packers are building and the talent that they have on the defensive side. So uh, um, don't uh, don't close any doors prematurely. I think fans have two names penciled in already, <laughs> and the two that pop up the most consistently are Al Harris and Jim Leonard. Sure. Yeah, and and I mean, I have I mean I I have no idea. You know, I I mean I know Al because I covered you know a good portion of his career with the Packers, and uh, you know I I mean. I'm assuming that based on where he's going in his coaching career, that he'd like to be, you know, a defensive coordinator someday, but you know, is Al Harris ready to be a defensive coordinator? I don't know the answer to that question. You know um, I I don't think anybody knows the answer to that question until you, you know, as the decision maker, you sit down and talk to him and, and find out like, okay, what kind of plans do you have? How would you go about implementing, you know, your scheme and, and, you know, what do you, what do you want to play? And, and how would you go about things? And, you know, that's what that's what the interview process is all about, particularly with regard to guys who haven't been defensive coordinators before, because they're going to have to sell themselves, you know, to to somebody like Matt LaFleur as to uh, as to how they're going to go, how they're going to go about it and uh, and how they're going to build a defense. Because let's face it, Matt LaFleur. He doesn't. He doesn't want to have to worry about the defense. He mm-hmm. he his he is focused on the offense and making Jordan Love the next Hall of Fame quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Right, like that's where he wants to devote as much energy as possible. And uh, he's going to want somebody that he can turn the defense over to him. And yes, he's going to be involved to a certain extent, but he's not going to want to worry about the defense on a day-to-day basis. That's what Matt LaFleur wants. That's the structure that he's going to want with this team, in my opinion. So, uh, um, you know, he, I think he was reluctant when he hired Joe Barry, he was reluctant to hire somebody who had not been a defensive coordinator in the NFL before. I think Joe Barry's experience as a defensive coordinator in the NFL was in large part what got him the job based on the candidates that were available to him at the time. Yeah. Um, we'll see if he if he changes his thought process on that. Obviously, a lot of those types of candidates over the last three years have gotten defensive coordinator jobs, and they're at a different yeah. level of experience in their careers now as well. So where it goes from here, you know, we'll, uh, we'll have to see. But I do think the job is going to be as attractive as any out there for a D.C., yeah, that's a good point. I know a lot of people would take the perspective of, well, the Packers defense sucks. Who would want to coach it? But yeah, when you bring up the the young talent and especially the talent on the other side of the ball, yeah, well, they're eight first round picks. Like, uh, how, like, what are we talking about right now? <laughs> they 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 might do another first round pick. They might draft a corner. We don't yeah. know. 
No, I mean, there's the, the, the Packers still, you know, they, they, you know, they have, they have some holes on their defense. There are going to be some decisions made in the off season. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that's, that's just, you know, the, the nature of the business in this league, but you look at, you look at the guys that, you know, are under contract long-term and for sure are coming back. You've got a heck of a nucleus there on defense that I think any defensive coordinator candidate is going to look at and go, yeah, I can work with that. And, you know, there's a, there's a personnel department, there's a personnel department in green Bay. That's uh, that's going to continue to work to try to get the guys that, uh, that you want to have. For sure. So we want to ask last thing before we let you, let you off the hook. All right. Has Jordan love, met your expectations from the beginning of the year. I know we asked you and we, you gave a, a fantastic six page essay on what you're looking for from Jordan Love <laughs> at the beginning of the season, but has he has he met your expectations and and shown you what you were looking for from him? Yeah, I think I I think so absolutely. I mean, I I would say I would say even to a certain extent I I think he's he's surpassed them in the sense that um, over the second half of this season, as as he's really settled in and continued to grow and shown the type of quarterback that he's going to be, he's been able to make it work out there with whoever's out there in the supporting cast. I mean, with the injuries that have gone on at tight end, at receiver, at running back, um, those those injuries and those personnel situations were a much bigger factor earlier in the season than they've been late in the season. And I think that shows, um, I think that shows the the growth and maturity in a fairly short amount of time from Jordan Love at quarterback. I mean, uh, the fact that he, you know, he could go into a must-win game in Minnesota, um, you know, in that noisy U.S. Bank Stadium in week 17, prime time and all that. And he's missing Christian Watson, Dontavian Wicks, Luke Musgrave. He loses Jaden Reed at halftime. And, um, you know, and the Packers were never threatened in that game. I mean, he puts up 30 plus points like, you know, Bo Melton has a huge game and Malik Heath makes a couple of key catches. And, you know, if he if his for in his first year as a starter, making it work with whoever's out there, I think that speaks volumes about where Jordan Love is headed as a quarterback. Not even just in the pass catching group, but in like obviously the running backs and the offensive line. Yeah, how much shifting there's been going on there. So yeah, I mean, and the, and and what was going on up front was obviously a bigger factor earlier in the season. You lose David Bakhtiari after week one. You know Rashid Walker gets thrown in there. He's got to you know he's got to get settled in and get some things figured out. And and you know Zach Tom is a second year player over there at right tackle. Elton Jenkins was not entirely healthy in the early portion of the season either. And, and he's, you know, Elton is still battling through stuff. And again, he's, you know, he got rolled up on last week in Minnesota and I I'm guessing he's going to try to gut it out on, on Sunday with, you know, the playoff berth on the line, he's going to be in there at left guard. And, and so there, there have been, you know, there's been a lot with that going on as well. And as the season has gone along, those things have been less and less a factor and that's a credit to all the young players and the growth that they've shown, but it's also a credit to Jordan Love and that he just he just doesn't flinch. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter to him who's out there. He's going to believe in the guys that he's got, and he's going to give them a chance to make plays. And uh, and you know they're going to take their chances. And 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 he's he's good with uh, rolling with that. 
Reggie just said that he was saying that he was snubbed on the Pro Bowl, which I agree with that part. He said he said he should be a thought for MVP, not saying that he should win, but to be in the topic of conversation would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think I think MVP is a bit much when uh, you know when you look at you you know you have to look at the whole body of work, and there were some rough games. Uh, there, there's no there's no two ways about that. And, you know, but for me, as, as far as the Pro Bowl, like, you know, Jordan Love should have at least been on the alternate list at quarterback in the NFC. Yep. I mean, yep. you know, for him for him not to even get alternate recognition for, you know, uh, for Pro Bowl, I think is is really unfortunate. But, you know, as I've said in a couple other forums this week, I mean, it just goes to show that what happens in the first half of a season has way bigger impact on the Pro Bowl and that kind of stuff than what happens in the second half of the season. Because halfway through the season, nobody would have said Jordan loves a Pro Bowl quarterback. The second half of the season, he's playing a lot better than a lot of guys out there. But the, the you know, second half is almost where the MVP part could come in. But then you have to add in the first half. Right. Exactly. And and it, you know, it's a it's about the you know it, it's about the whole body of work and and the consistency over time and and. Uh, um, you know, I, I think, uh, but you know, do I think down the road, maybe even as soon as next year, um, with where this Packers offense is, is, is Jordan Love going to be in, you know, pro bowl and, and maybe even MVP conversations? Absolutely. A hundred percent. I think, I think he's, I think he's potentially headed in that direction and, uh, he's got a lot of young guys around him, just like him who are nowhere near where they might end up in terms of their level of play and where their careers are headed. And it's pretty exciting to see what might happen down the road. But uh, right now I'd like to see a win against the Chicago bears and, and uh, let these green Bay Packers of 2023 slash 24 play at least one more game. Absolutely. Can we get a head and heart score prediction before you go? Oh, that's right. You guys do that head and heart thing. Okay. Um, yep, that's us. <laughs> yeah. All right. My head, my head says, my head says the uh, Packers win this game 24, 20. My heart says the Packers win this game 27 to 10. Oh, Ooh, I like it. I like it. I like the second one way better. <laughs> 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 All right, Mike, we appreciate you hopping on with us for a little while. We would love to have you back in the offseason. There's tons of conversations and topics we'd love to have your insight and thoughts on. So we'd love to have you back, and, and I'm sure we will if you're if you're willing to hop back on with us and uh, have a good rest of your night and weekend and get a W on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. Don't hesitate to reach out, guys. I'm uh, I'm around. I'd be happy to uh, happy to hop back on. Always, always enjoy talking to you. You guys have a good weekend. Enjoy your weekend. <clears throat> Yeah, I always enjoy having Mike's popcorn on. It's like, uh, you know, he's like, I'm not big on social media. It's like, I know like a local podcast that would love to have you on all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I jokingly told Bryant, I'm like, we're going to, like, Bryant said he he told us this afternoon that he's got like hockey tickets and stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Mike, well, Spofford's coming on. He could just replace you permanently. (laughs) (laughs) He's not busy, you know, like, I don't know. He works for the Packers. I don't know how, how important that is, but yeah. (laughs) All right, so we're going to jump in real quick. We're going to run through our stars of the game. Uh, Bryant had the number one star on each side of the ball for offense. (laughs) I'm I'm going to leave out the second part of it. (laughs) For for offense, he wrote Jordan Big D Love. He said, what else is there to say? It's not a fluke at this point. 
Another three touchdown, <laughs> no interception game, and then a sick touchdown run where he just wanted it more than anyone else. And on the defensive side of the ball, he said Nissan Nixon. So throwback to some tongue tie that he had earlier in the season. 11 tackles, half a sack, and a pass defense. Overall, just a good defensive side of the ball performance. Um, for me on the offensive side of the ball, Aaron Jones, 21 touches, 130 yards. And then Preston Smith on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, he had the, the strip sack, which was a huge part of that game, able to get the Packers another seven points before halftime. So Jake has the number three, and then Simon has the underrated performers. So for number three star, went with Jaden Reed. Uh, in one half of football, he had six receptions, 89 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, also heard that he got hurt on that punt return that they didn't call a flag on. So that sucks, and I hope that's looked into. But he played great, and it looks like he's going to be back for Sunday. So, <clears throat> And the third star uh, on defense was uh, Corey. Uh, Justin Jefferson's new dad, Ballantyne, Bell, uh, <laughs> uh, five tackles, three passes defense, and one interception. Honestly, he held his own against Justin Jefferson. And Jefferson, do you want to do it now, good. or do you want to do it in the secondary part? Because I have highlights. Let's do it in the secondary part. Um, gotcha. But I just want to say that you know Jefferson's a very creative route runner. Uh, that's kind of what makes him a little bit unique on top of his you know jump ball ability and good hands. So uh, Ballantyne did a very really 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 good job against him. Yeah, Reggie, we had so many guys that we wanted to put in the conversation that we just decided to do three on offense and three on defense. So that's why we all have two. So, <clears throat> Simon, you're up. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> I got uh, offensive underrated performers, Bo Melton, six for eight receptions, 105 yards and a touchdown. And all six of his receptions went for a first down or a touchdown. Nice. Love that. And then yards for the season. Oh, yeah, first one. Oh, yeah, I, forgot, I forgot about that. First 100 yards. Sean Clifford. Season. Yeah. We didn't even ask Swafford about Sean Clifford. Dang it. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> you know how many people got mad at me for saying start? <laughs> I know. I saw that. <laughs> I, was, I was rolling, dude. People took that so serious. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, for defense, I had Quay Walker, uh, two pressures, a sack. Five total tackles and one stop. He was kind of all over the place. Yeah, good call. So looking at the wide receiver development, jumping into the offense, covering for Bryant. So I'm reading Bryant's notes that he sent over. Uh, he said jo Jordan Reed. He's got to he's got to work on that. I think he meant Jaden Reed. Jordan Reed is a former tight end from the Washington football team. Um, he said Jaden Reed would have been the first over 100 if it wasn't for the injury, and congrats to, him, congrats to him for breaking the rookie receiving record. Great job by Bo Melton stepping in to help with the loss of Reed and keep the offense humming. Dobbs didn't have a huge game, but he has been the most consistent receiver health-wise throughout the year. I think Malik Heath still brings a lot, and even when he has quiet games, he contributes. For Toure, he said, I feel bad he got hurt, but I think he has way more um, more for them to stash him instead of releasing him. So, I mean, that's fair. And I think putting him on injured reserve does give the Packers an offseason to figure that out versus mm -hmm. just outright releasing him. Um, mm -hmm. So the Packers will be able to see, you know, what they can do with with uh, Samari Toure in the offseason. But Bo Melton has absolutely earned the roster spot that he's got. So good for him. Uh, Darian said Aaron Jones, Jaden Reed, and Bo Melton for the offense. Can't leave out Jordan Love, though. Yeah, it's <clears throat> tough. Love was cooking. Cook. 
Uh, and then I had to bring up this stat. So this came from Dylan Powell on on Twitter X, whatever you want to call it. Rookie wide receivers from the last eight years who had 50 plus targets and averaged over two yards per route run. So I'm just going to go since 2020. In 2020, Justin Jefferson was the only one. 2021, Jamar Chase and Kadarius Toney. In 2022, Drake London, Chris Olave, and Christian Watson. And 2023, Puka Nakua, Rashi Rice, Tank Dell, and Dontavian Wicks. <laughs> People need to put some respect on Goody. He's killing his drafts. He absolutely is killing the drafts over the last three years. True. So looking at, <clears throat> for me, rookie tight ends, Tucker Craft. Uh, <laughs> he was six catches on six targets for 48 yards. And we also have this little beauty of a clip. <laughs> Sorry, bounces a dude off of the... Nope. Oh, this, this one, yeah, one is yeah. putting Daniel Hunter on his ass. Did, do you have the clip of him putting Harrison Smith on his ass? Uh, I don't think I do. Uh, it, it, I can't remember if it was earlier and later in the game, but they uh, do yeah, an inside run, and he's blocking Harrison Smith on the outside, and he just puts him on his ass at the end of the play. Damn, I wish I would have had that one. But, yes, if you follow us on any of our social medias, you can see uh, I cut the, the audio of the guy saying, he just dribbled this man from the stiff arm that he had because that would be bounced hard. That's Dude, I couldn't believe that. I couldn't <laughs> believe that shit. I was like, what? That dude so, bounced. You, you think uh, Tucker Craft learned that maybe stiff arming over hurdling the guys is a much better idea? Hey, I mean, yeah. having both in your bag, I'm not against it. <laughs> True. Uh, as for Ben Sims, one catch on one target. He graded as a good blocker, and the tape backs it up. That's pretty much all I have to say on Ben Sims. Uh, I'd be comfortable not feeling the need to draft a tight end before the fourth round. I'm with it. Uh, obviously, I'm I'm less interested in bringing Josiah DeGuara back than I am about potentially drafting a new tight end. I think that's where I'd rather go if you're looking at a guy who's going to play a smaller role. Uh, Tucker Craft has been since like week six out snapping Josiah DeGuara and obviously is a more involved player blocking and passing. And at this point, Ben Sims, I think I'd rather just find out what he's capable of over keeping Josiah DeGuara for a second contract. And, and it's, Musgraves coming back too. And Musgraves, yeah, Musgraves obviously going to be back too. So, I mean, if you're looking at a guy who's going to play like a blocking tight end slash fullback role, I'd rather just draft somebody. Uh, they have that kid out of what, North Dakota State or whatever. I forget yep. his name on the roster. Uh, I think he played uh, one week. Talk about Henry Pearson. name. Yeah, Henry Pearson. That's it. Yeah, he, yeah, he's uh, he's more of a fullback than a tight end. But yeah, yeah. If you want to, if you want to have a tight end slash fullback role, but yeah. Otherwise, if you want to keep Henry Pearson, I'm fine with that too. <clears throat> on the passing game distribution, eight players were targeted. Eight players had receptions. Uh, Jaden Reed had six catches on eight. Um, Bo Melton had six catches on eight, and Tucker Craft had six catches on six. The Packers had at least three players have four or more receptions in eight of the last ten, including seven in a row. Hell yeah. <clears throat> uh, Darian said, I always felt Tucker Craft had the potential to be a star in this league, and he's proved it with the role he's got. Let me just say this. I plan on saying this with Tucker Craft as well. He's broken the third-round curse. The third-round curse is done. Tucker Craft has broken it. Yeah. I think it's awesome how seamless the transition after Musgrave got hurt and Tucker Craft yeah. started filling that role. Yeah. It's, it's like forced. there's not much of a difference. Absolutely. He got forced into more passing game work and he's absolutely taking the bull by the horns. 
Not to mention that that dude's quotes all fire. Dude. All of his oh, quotes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Dude's I, love I love his tweets. I'm like so uh, excited for his tweets it. before and after the game, dude. It, it's right. amazing. Uh, I hope we get to interview him someday because he sounds like he can be a lot we, of we should just make a thread of all his greatest tweets, dude. We, dude, could we should do, do that. that. We should do that. Write that down. Okay. Um, write, that, write that down. Okay. So this is a situation where the passing game distribution, and I've said this before, I think this is my favorite part of the season. Because there are still zero games where Jordan Love has targeted fewer than seven players, and his top wide receiver has 681 yards. Jordan Love is just spreading that ball out everywhere. I love it. And there were two drops in this game, but from the <clears throat> from behind the line of scrimmage, Love was four for four. From zero to nine, he was 14 of 15. From 10 to 19, he was 4 for 8. And from 20-plus, he was 2 for 5. All of those are high-rating um, completion percentages. So, I mean, the passing game distribution, just fantastic. So, Simon, how do you feel about the O-line? Uh, great. Good game from the O-line. Uh, they were blitzed on 76% of the plays. They allowed zero sacks. And the offensive line allowed – by the way, I called that one the zero sacks uh the offensive line allowed zero hits and a total of 13 total pressures the two hits were allowed by aj Dillon and tucker craft uh also i want to because we've been kind of crapping on him a little bit josh myers i thought even though his blocking isn't there the way he communicates and uh, sets the pass protection for the o-line this week i thought i did a really good job this week it kind of goes unnoticed yeah, that's like fair. That's a good call out. Uh, Darian said another player who can break the third round curse is Sean Ryan, making the yeah. most of his chances on the O line, trading snaps with John Runyon Jr. It's it's beneficial because John Runyon Jr. is another guy who's a free agent at the end of the year. So seeing what you're getting from Sean Ryan without having to wait until the off season to do it, I think is actually just sets up the Packers to have another one of their questions for 2024 answered already with the 2023 season. Dude, how brilliant is that from a coaching perspective, though? Hell yeah, fucking a, dude. That's not going to get enough credit. But if they if they get out of this season and they figure, okay, we have our quarterback, we have this, and we also have our right guard, like, dude, that that already just the trajectory of this team is just insane. That's, that's another question you have answered before the draft, and that allows you to just be more fluid with best players available. We just lost two Hall of Famers, and now we just look like the best young team in the league. Settle down. Settle down. It, it's it's unfair. <laughs> I know why people hate us, dude. I, I, I get it. <laughs> I, I got it. All right. So, Bryant's notes on the running game. He's got another huge game from Aaron. And, oh God. and as Collinsworth said, it just feels different when he hits the hole. Yep. <laughs> Collinsworth did say that. <laughs> Classic. 20 carries for 120 yards against a team that was supposed to give us trouble running the ball. Rushing for 177 yards total against that team and a touchdown was huge, keeping the offense balanced. Jones has been injured, but because of that, he seems super fresh and now has now gone for over 122 games in a row. That's a great so over, over six yards per carry in each game, too. Yeah, that's I'll take that all day. Chris okay. said stats. That's that's what he comes here for. He just pops in for stats. He does. He likes the numbers. He's a numbers guy. <laughs> All right, uh, Jake, red zone offense. Red zone offense. All right. Uh, well, in the red zone, uh, first play was first and 10 at the 18. Dylan ran for two yards. 
Second and eight at the 16, Love and complete the Melton. Third and eight from the 16, Love and complete the Heath, and we got a field goal on the first one. So then we get to the second second drive that got into the red zone. Uh, Jones, uh, first and 10 at the 16, he ran for, for 10 yards. There was a penalty on the defense, illegal use of hands. So set us to the three-yard line. Dylan ran for one yard, and then Jordan Love just nose dives over a player, reaches, use every inch of 6'4 frame, and scores a touchdown. Then we get to the third drive. Dude, I called this drive. They had a long seven-minute and 30-second drive. I said, all right, let's go on one of our own then. 13 plays, 90 yards, eight minutes. Fucking mama the mia. You know what I'm saying? Holy hell, dude. That was a fucking thing of beauty. But we get into the, the red zone, first and 10 at the 18. Love finds Sims. The Vikings literally paid for, for us to have a six-yard pass completion in the red zone, so thank you for that. <laughs> Jones runs for three on second and four from the 12. And we have third and nine. Love finds a wide-open bowl melting in the end zone, and everybody in Packers Nation is just so excited for that kid, right? You know, he makes up for the early drop in the game, gets a big-time touchdown. That kind of blew the thing wide open. And then we get to the, the third drive, that get into the red zone. First and 10 at the 19, Taylor runs for one yard. Second and nine from the 18, Taylor runs for six. Third and three at the 12, Torre, they threw a pass to him. That play was the kind of the broken play. It went for minus six yards. Pack, they were just trying to run some clock, in my opinion, but the Packers settled for a field goal. That play with Toure, you either need to let that ball go or yeah. stay in bounds. Yep, I agree with that. And even and even on the you know, the let it go to, to quote Elsa, like, but just catch the ball and stay in bounds. Yeah. If you can't catch the ball and stay in bounds, then let it go. Don't catch it six yards behind Leno's scrimmage and then go out of bounds. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's yeah, that's a that's a teachable moment. Absolutely. That's yeah, that's, that's a good way to say it. <clears throat> okay, third down offense was pretty good. I mean, there's really no other way to slice it. The Packers overall nine of eight or nine of sixteen. No, nine of fourteen. Sorry, I can't read. Um, nine of fourteen on third downs. In the first half, they were three for seven. Their average third down distance was three point four yards. In the second half, six for seven, three point nine yards was the average. In the first half, Jordan Love was two for five, which, you know, not great. But in the second half, he was four for four with a touchdown. So Jordan Love and the Packers offense, fantastic on third downs, especially in the second half. So Bryant's notes on the special teams to transition from the offense to the defense. Bryant said, pretty much a mess again. Not great that Carlson has five missed extra points, which is at least two more than any kicker in the NFL. To put this here, one of them was blocked. One of them was a bad snap but threw off timing. I'll say that. He said it's clear to have we will have competition in camp, but it's not time to give up on him by any means. And my thing with this was with Anders Carlson, just like any of the other rookies, we expect them to get better. Uh, Brian said he hit his short field goal, so that is good, but hopefully he can have a clean game on Sunday. He said Whalen looked good on his two punts, averaging 49.5 yards, and kick coverage did a decent job besides the one return against a really good returner. Uh, one real head-scratcher is why is Toure back there returning punts when Nixon is healthy? I, I, My only thought with this, and, and I have the same question, I think even if uh, Reed and Nixon – are you know playing their first team roles, which Nixon was. That's the only reason I can think to not have him back there. 
just because you can't yeah. afford to lose another corner. I read that Toure was a really good punt returner in college. I don't remember and that. He was, and he's, he's he taken a couple of them, but not this season he hasn't. Yeah, if he has experience, you know, I mean, I guess I'll let one go because this is really the first time I've seen him back there. So, yeah, one mistake, I guess. I'm not going to hold the the world over his head or anything, but yeah. I don't know. It was it was a shitty play. It would have been worse if we would have lost or they would have gained a lot of momentum right. or something like that. But yeah, Bryant does have in here that maybe it's because the Packers were down a corner. So that's I agree with there. He said yeah. if he's going out there at minimum, he probably needs to be told to fair catch it. Uh, being that it's a critical critical game and his first time back there, I agree. Just fair catch it or let it bounce. You know, literally anything but what happened. Yeah, that was the only that was the only thing you couldn't do, and he did it. So yeah. All right. So Simon has the secondary on the defense. You wanna you guys wanna talk some uh, some Corey Ballantyne because I got <laughs> I got a little. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, you got you got some stuff. Go ahead. I do. I got it right here. Hey, clamps. Put the seatbelt on. I dude, I don't want to hear shit about illegal contact either because he had his head around. And he was looking at the ball. Yeah, yeah that, that would have been the ball. That was good defense. That would have been weak. Yeah, that would have been that would have been a superstar call. Yeah, yeah. And this one too, you can't really see it because it's off the screen. But Justin Jefferson pushes off on this one too. Justin Jefferson pushes off. No way. Yeah, and just a great job by Valentine yeah. to pull him out. Yep. Valentine played extremely well on Sunday, so credit to him. So Simon, take it away. Yeah. How well? He went uh, three catches for nine targets for thirty-three yards, interception, and a pass breakup. Wow. Yeah. Put the seatbelt on. Like wow. he had a he had a good game. Overall, the DBs, 11 for 21, 94 yards, and the touchdown off the muff punt. I mean, what can you do about that? You know what's crazy is, like, this game, this game could have been 41 to 3. <laughs> it, it easily could have. Yep, you're correct. <laughs> the, the, this game could have been so much worse than it was. Yep. If the Packers – That fourth if, down to succeed. Yeah, if Melton catches the ball on that fourth down and we don't muff the punt, this game could have been <laughs> – wildly out of control yeah. with how how well the offense was moving down the field and if, if Melton would have I, and I think you put up a video of this if he just sharpens his cut yep. a little more on that out route yep. that probably would have been a touchdown because I don't think I don't, there was yeah there was nobody within like five yards of him that yeah, game could have yeah. been disgusting that was a great um, play call by the floor yeah, yeah it really and, was and that's what I said too with that play was that if <clears throat> it's something that earlier in the season we talked about with guys like Musgrave and Reed, you know, running their routes sharper instead of curling. Yeah. Them. Uh, yeah. So, uh, 30, they only had 32 yards after the catch total, uh, four forced incompletions. So yeah. Secondary, just great, great game. Okay. Now I want to say this because I saw people saying that, Oh, we can trade Jair and Stokes cause we don't need them. Calm down. They had a they played a good game in in a moment where they had guys missing. The other thing that I don't want to hear about anymore is shut the fuck up about Rasul Douglas. <laughs> he was oh traded like six fucking weeks ago. Move <laughs> on. Dude, I was getting so fucking annoyed, especially Dude. after the pick six. Yeah. Everybody fucking cr- I'm sorry for saying all the swear words. But, like, everybody crying all over freaking social media. I'm like, 
What are we doing? He's wearing were, a Bills jersey. There were Packers people. There, and I'm not going to sing them Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Because but there were Packers content creators. That's what I'm giving saying. Giving like a play by play of the Bills defense. I know that's what I'm saying, dude. Packers it was annoying. I like that. Just shut up. He's not on our team anymore. Let's focus on the guys that are, and they played well. It's in because, the absence of one guy being suspended, which, oh, why are we suspending him before the biggest game of the season? People just need to calm down. Dude, if Jair Alexander comes out this week as a more laser-focused player, with as talented as he is, and he absolutely shuts down DJ Moore, then you you know for a fact, and hearing his interview, we're going to talk about it in a little bit. I was just going to talk about that. Dude, yeah, bring it he, up. We're on the secondary. Dude, he like literally sounds more serious. So it might be go time right now for Jair Alexander. I yeah, I loved his interview. He sounded very understanding of where the Packers came from, and it's just I, I don't know. Like all the people like crap. Dude, I've seen I saw so many Packers fans call him like a thug and like a piece a piece of shit and stuff. I just I don't get it. Yeah, and well, I, I think the I think that Jair really understands where the Packers are coming from as an organization and the expectations for him mm-hmm. and for him to basically follow up and be like, yeah, I definitely plan on being here next year. He's yeah. not getting traded. Plus his contract. There's no way they're trading him. There's just zero way. So yep. if that's your hope, then he's sorry, not, he's not getting traded. He's a dog. Okay. He's go- He is one of the main reasons as Spofford was talking before. He is one of the main reasons that all defensive coordinator candidates Gonna be licking their chops to come here, because what what is a couple things that you need for a good defense? Pass rush and a lockdown corner. corner, Packers have two of those, have both of those things. Yeah, and you know what? They have a couple young corners who are developing very nicely. A Darian brought up in in the comments. Uh, Carrington Valentine looks very good. He needs to control the emotions a little bit. He's a young guy, so I'll I'll, I'll respect it. Uh, And obviously, we just showed a little highlight reel of, of Valentine holding his own against some of the NFL's best. So the Packers have a lot of pieces, man. Van Ness has been coming on strong. Kenny Clark. I mean, this defense really has the chance to be ridiculous, bro, with how much talent they have. Now, do they need a a safety? Yes. And they need a slide savage. They need a slide savage over the strong safety. Let him play down closer to the box. Get a free safety that can roam. Because I feel like they're asking Savage to do stuff that he doesn't want to do. I I don't know if Savage is going to be here next year. Savage will be here. Savage will be here. They're I can have I to re-up his contract. Like prove it deal, but I wouldn't. Maybe. Be I don't think. Yeah. He, don't think he's a player I could see. I could see them not bringing back. 
there's not gonna be much of a market. He'll probably be pretty cheap. Yeah, for sure. And you know, yeah. and you know, like I know people are like really thinking about it, but like they, they are gonna have to be cheap in some ways. Oh yeah. In some areas because you know, we're all excited about this draft class right now and we should be. Yeah. But in like three years, when we have to sign fucking fifteen players, that's gonna suck. Yeah. <laughs> I don't envy Goot that season. I'll tell you that right now. I would much rather be in that situation though. Right. I mean, it, it it's a blessing and a curse. It really is. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, and Adarian brought up another good point, too, especially if they hit on the third-round pick that they get yeah. from the Bills. That's a great point. Yeah. All right. So, Jake, how about the rush defense? This is going to be real short and simple. The rush defense, 10 for, 10, or 16 carries for 67 yards, a 4.2-yard average. Chandler at 10 for 40. Madison at 3 for 17. He had the one run where he ran over Ballantyne. I will say that. That was a nice run by him. Uh, Mullins, one for six, and Hall, two for four. The run game was a non-factor because the Packers were punching him in the freaking mouth early and often, so they didn't really have a chance to establish the run. And you could tell that that was bothering uh, the the Vikings because their offense, you know, kind of like the Packers, is predicated on getting the run going, establishing that, and then playing off play action, right? That's kind of how all the NFC North teams are. And the Vikings were not able to get that done. The Packers did a tremendous job. Uh, taking them out of their game plan. Uh, Simon, how did the tackling and the defensive line do? Yeah, uh, tackling I thought was overall solid. PFF credit us with ten missed tackles, but honestly, I can't I can't think of anything that egregious. Yeah, I mean, you brought up the, yards after catch already, which is yeah, good. yeah. Uh, that was crazy. I wonder about yards after carry. Do you have that in front of you? Yards after the carry. You like mean after contact? After contact. Uh, I could look it up in a second, but yeah, I just, I can't think of, <clears throat> I can't think of anything really egregious, um, or any huge missed tackles that led to big plays or anything like that. Um, even if there was, even if they missed a tackle, the guy was right there to stop. That's him. where I was going with it. So the yeah. Vikings on carries had 47 yards after contact. My thing that I want to bring up with that is. The fact that we can't remember any of the missed tackles because they didn't lead to giant plays tells me that the Packers were rallying to the ball really well. Yes. Uh, as for the D-line, I I thought TJ Slayton was probably another guy that we could have had as an uh, uh, underappreciated player this week. Uh, I thought he played a pretty pretty damn solid game. Oh, what was that play where he he beat a double team and tackled Chandler Dude. like the line of scrimmage? <laughs> Dude, that was what a mo- that was a monster play. Uh, Kenny Clark had a stop and six pressures, so he was a factor all game. Devontae oh, Wyatt had thirty six pressures. That's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, thirty six. Pre- well, uh, half of it was the you know the outside edge guys but uh yeah Devonte wyatt stopping four pressures he had a sack and a hit colby wooden had two pressures in a sack carl brooks added a hit on the qb i mean the d-line just kind of kind of ate against what and, i would say is a pretty decent yeah they line. and they got brian o'neill back yeah i was waiting until we got to the you know pass rush or whatever but you know, Rashawn Gary, <laughs> Rashawn Gary had eight pressures <laughs> himself. Uh, Preston Smith whooped up on Darisaw all night. Dude, he was kicking his ass. Yeah. All and and the, I, I posted this in one of the groups. Where I was like, 
I, I like I understand that they didn't have Kirk Cousins and that plays a major factor. Where the fuck was everyone else on their team? Darisaw got his ass whooped. Daniel Hunter was a non-factor. You know, Harrison Smith was a non-factor. Yeah. Justin Jefferson was a ghost most of the night. Jordan like, Addison was a non-factor. Yeah. KJ Osborne didn't have a single target. So like he played when, 33 snaps was not targeted. When we're talking about injuries and stuff, yeah, like losing your quarterback's usually a killer, but like nobody else showed up. Their offense put up 411 passing yards against Detroit the week before. Yeah. Is anybody going to argue that Detroit has a better defense than the Packers? Given that the people that wanted Joe Barry fired into the sun. Oh, all I heard all week was that we were going to get destroyed. Their defense. Yeah. Oh, they're going to go destroyed. nuts on our defense. Can't yeah. wait for the Packers to make a fourth round rookie look like primary. Yeah. Paul's going to have a career game. Yeah. Yeah. Cody said Vikings fans went from we're going to end your season to we want a better draft pick, anyways. Real quick. Better draft the quarterback. Yeah, that happened in uh, probably the middle of the first quarter, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On there. All right, Jake, what do you think about the pass rush? Man, is it – it's it's a beautiful thing to see, man. Uh, aside from Jordan Love absolutely just picking apart this defense, I think the pass rush strictly, the D-line and the linebackers, won this game for the Green Bay Packers. Now, you could, you could talk about missing two corners and not having the best safety group in the league, and our, our DBs are kind of banged up and – uh, to be completely honest, one of the worst groups in the league, talent-wise, right? But the pass rush, you couldn't tell. <laughs> they were just always in Hall's face. Uh, the guy had no chance. I, I honestly started to feel bad for him a little bit. Like, he looked so sad on the sidelines in the third quarter when he was, had his helmet on just standing there. I was like, man, that kid was was in the locker room pregame. Just, it makes you think of Friday. Just, like, just freaking trying to dream of everything, and it, none of it happened. <laughs> um, but sacks we had seven. Uh, Van Ness, Wooden, Walker. It's gonna be a mouthful, so pay attention. Van Ness, Wooden, Walker, Wyatt, McDuffie, Nixon, and Smith had a sack. Okay, let's talk about let's talk about this Wyatt and Nixon play. Okay. Because again, I said this when we had Spofford on, and I'm gonna say it again now. This does not save Joe Barry's job. So I'm gonna say that. Preface this again. <clears throat> However. We're going to watch this play, and then we're going to talk about it. Because, yes, obviously they bring the cornerback blitz, but that's not even the thing that I noticed the most about this play. Look at the setup here. One, two, three guys on the right side of the offensive line. They overloaded one side of the offensive line. What was that I don't recall for? seeing this at any point in the season. So as far as Joe Barry goes, I understand still wanting him gone and, and asking the question like, I'm I'm fine giving Joe Barry credit. My question then becomes is why didn't we do this sooner? Because this is fantastic. I love this setup. They got three guys on one side and they blitz the corner from this side. That works beautifully. Yeah, he st- he stood no chance. He had no idea what was Mullins was just didn't understand what was happening. That play happened so fast for Mullins that it, it just. He was sacked before he even realized the coverage. <laughs> he was done. <laughs> Yikes. Um, but then you go to hits on the quarterback. We had six of those. Preston Smith led the way with two of them. Walker and Igbare. Sorry, couldn't speak for a second. Wyatt and Brooks all had one. And then you go to quarterback hurries. Sean Gary with eight. Clark with six. Igbare two. Wyatt two. Slayton two. Van Ness one. Wooden one. Smith one. I mean... 
Everybody gets one, I guess. Can Oprah Winfrey was at the game on the Packers sideline saying, yeah, you, right. get one, you get one, you get one, you get one. You get a pressure. You get a pressure. The, the Packers pass rush was phenomenal. Um, it, it just goes to show uh, the things that we've been talking about all season long. You go back to the Lions game, right? What are the two things? What is the one thing that was, that was common in both games? The team that won dominated the line of scrimmage, right? In the first game, the Lions dominated the line of scrimmage on both sides. Second game, the Packers did. In the Vikings game, the Vikings dominated the line of scrimmage. They kept Cousins very clean in that first game at Lambeau Field. And they kind of got after Jordan Love, right? And you go to this game. Who dominated the line of scrimmage? The Green Bay Packers did. The offensive line was perfect against all those blitzes that Simon brought up. And our pass rush was absolutely dominating their offensive line. You win the line of scrimmage, you usually win. That's that's called winning the point of attack. So when, when you're asking, your, when you're watching the draft, you're like, what did you have to wide receiver in the first round? Well, probably because they can get a wide receiver that's better than him in the second round. And winning the line of scrimmage is kind of important. Yep. Just going to leave it at that. Wouldn't be mad if the Packers drafted a tackle in the first round. I'll say that. I wouldn't be mad about that either. I would actually like, be I'm, very happy. Yeah. It's not the I'm sexiest fine trick with... in the world, but you know what? If number exactly. 10 is not getting hit, I'm good. Yeah, absolutely. So Bryant's notes <clears> – <throat> On the red zone red zone defense, he said it's a great bounce-back game by the defense, including the red zone. The Vikings were one for three. Uh, the biggest stop came right out of halftime when the Vikings had the ball for six minutes and 11 seconds, and the Packers forced a turnover on downs. Had the Vikings scored, it could have given them momentum. After a QB change with a whole half to play, the one touchdown they did get happened because of the two-ray fumble, a time when the game was essentially already over. Cody, Cody just commented the Vikings should probably worry about their defensive picks lately. Cody, I, I don't know if you're still friends with Sammy McClay, but um, he commented, he made a post about, you know, the Vikings' lack of defensive picks that have been <clears throat> out. And I commented on that. I said, it's because you guys are too busy wasting your first-rounders on wide receivers. Congratulations, you have some highlight reels. Your defense sucks. Look at the Bengals. Congratulations, you have some highlights. Joe Burrow is going to die. <laughs> You're paying $500 million for your quarterback to die. Yikes. Yep. Not my team. <clears throat> I will say I like I like Cam Bynum. I think he's got potential. He, Other than I think he's, having a, he's having a solid year. That's actually Bynum. who the post was about. He was he was the only player that they could name in the last, you know, in the cousins era that has turned <laughs> out to be a good pick. Yeah, you're probably okay for that, Cody. Uh Jake, how about the third down defense? Third down defense was phenomenal. Um <clears throat> Obviously, you take everything into a factor, right, when you talk about third down. And the lack of running game, <clears throat> excuse me, really had them behind the chains. And it's, it's insane. This is actually insane. They went three for ten on third downs. Third and three and shorter, they were 0 for 2. Third and four through six, 0 for 3. That means that all of their third down pickups were on third and seven and longer. Yeah, their first one that they picked up was that long pass to Justin Jefferson, if you remember that play. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I lied. That was the second one. The first one was to uh, – blanking on his name. Addison. Wasn't it Addison? Pretty sure it was Addison the first one was. That was the one pass that Hall threw good, if I remember correctly. Yeah, you're trying to ask about three plays over this entire game that beat the hell out of it. Yeah, I think it was <laughs> – Addison was the first one and, and – uh, uh, Jefferson was the second one, but then the third one was just a really stupid long play, and we were just trying to get the hell out of town. And then they went all of two on fourth down. So, I mean, there was – we just beat the hell out of them, dude, point blank period. 
33 to 10 doesn't tell the full story. <clears throat> yeah. All right. So on the coaching slash time of possession part of the game, uh, as far as Matt LaFleur goes, curious what your thoughts are on the fourth and one. Uh, just inside the 30-yard line, do you take the points or do you go for it? I'm going for it. I, I like going for it too, especially on the road when you're trying to you know, send the message and build momentum. And my two things with this play – one, the play call was good. So for me, even though the play wasn't completed, the play call was set up well enough that it should have been completed or could have been completed. To me, it gives me confidence that plays uh, can be picked up, that that fourth down can be picked up in the future in a similar situation. You know what my favorite part about it was? He kept the ball in Love's hands. He let Love decide what happened. Absolutely. That was the best part. He didn't just hand it off and like, okay, here, we'll just run the ball, hey, hey, the ball forward. Right. Um, and then my other thing was on the broadcast, because the Vikings got a, a, a field goal after that, they're like, oh, it's a 10-point swing. It's a 10-point swing. No, it's not. It's not a 10-point swing because there's nothing that says the Vikings couldn't have gotten a field goal in their next possession if the Packers scored. Yep. True. Uh, there was still nine minutes left in the second quarter. So it's not like, you know, the Vikings had this scoring chance before time expired. Because right. then it would have been a 10-point swing. Yep. But there was still, like I said, like eight and a half or nine minutes left. Um, on the coaching, only four penalties for 32 yards. Wow. Beautiful. That perfect. is beautiful. Yeah, about as close as perfect as you can expect. Like, I, I'm, I would never expect a team to have zero penalties in a game. It's just not realistic. No. There will be one holding call at least. Right. Or like a or a pass interference or a legal answer. <clears throat> There'll be one. Yeah. So I will say, and I, I wish I would have asked Spofford his thoughts about this, but again, like I said, it's too late for Joe Barry to save his job, but this game makes the decision to keep him through the last three weeks of the season uh, easier to justify. So shout out to his game plan. It worked very well. Um, I put the touchdown that Minnesota scored, and Bryant said this in his notes as well with the, the red zone defense. Uh, more on the special teams than I put it on the defense because it wasn't yep. the defense that let them get near the end zone. Yep. And then time of possession. Oh, man. Packers, 37 and a half minutes yeah. to 22 and a half minutes. That's par for the course. <laughs> man, just one more just punch in the kidney of the dominance that the Packers put up. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Jordan Love. I'm going to read Bryant's notes first. Uh, his notes say, my prediction has come true. This would, dude would already be the most prolific single-season passer in Chicago history. What another great performance, and it doesn't seem to matter who he has on the field over the last several weeks. He just looks so good. He's been a top-three performing QB in the NFL over the past seven games or so and has absolutely earned a hefty extension, and I could not agree more. Yeah. All right, yeah. uh, Simon? What are you feeling about Jordan Love? Best game of the year? Question mark? <laughs> <laughs> Keep setting it up because every time we say it, he does something better. So I like it. I, I know. Like, I know. Like you said, I think this is like seven or eight weeks yeah, in a row right? now. <laughs> uh, I talked about the a lot about how the uh, Vikings blitzed a lot. Um, it, it, nothing just – nothing phased Love this game. Um he versus the blitz 
Love was 18 to 25, eight yards per attempt, and two touchdowns. I'll take that every day. 200 yards against blitzes. Yeah. And of both what, of the 245, I think he had. Uh, two, 258, 248. Yeah. Something like that. So <laughs> that didn't work. Yeah. Um, and, and both of the drops that the Packers receivers were credited with came on the blitz. So he could have had even yeah. more. He could have been 20 of 25, 80% against the blitz without drops. Since week 11, Love has been the most blitz quarterback in football, like I talked about last uh, last week. Uh, out of 42 eligible quarterbacks, he ranks 13th in pressure rate, so good on the O-line. During that span, Love is completing 68.2% of his throws at 7.7 yards per attempt a little bit. with six touchdowns and one interception. I'll take that. Yep. Um, <clears throat> Cody said we signed him to a one-year deal. On top of the option, so I see a new deal next year. Honestly, as soon as possible at this point. <clears throat> yeah, every probably. time you every time you wait another week, it's just costing you more. Yeah. <laughs> Reggie said, "Surprise player of the year, future Hall of Famer." Just give him the crown. I'll I'll level with you on the first part of it. Surprise player of the year, I could absolutely see him in that category. Okay, Jake, what are you feeling about Jordan Love? This guy is just. Man, we got a third one in a row, man. <laughs> it feels good. It really does. Um, the pre-snap improvement throughout the season <clears throat> has been something just amazing. Thank um, you. He's, he's using cadences to, to call stuff out a couple weeks ago. Now he's just strictly just reading it with motions and, and stuff like that. Um, you know, the, the, the fadeaway jumper type passes, the no feet on the ground type passes, the arm angles, the – the swag, the, mm. the running tough. We've been seeing that all year long. Uh, he's not afraid to take contact or even dish it out, right? So I I love this guy, and pun intended, dude, because he's he's going to be special. He's been special for us this year. He's made this year super, super fun. And uh, I can't wait to, to hear about us sign him to another five, six-year deal, and I don't give a shit about the money. They can sign him for whatever because he's going to bring a lot of money to town. And yeah. <laughs> Cody said yeah. love 99 overall dinners. Yeah, he's he's been hosting dinners is what Bo Melton has been saying. That's pretty cool, man. He's a – you want to talk about leaders, man. And, Tyler, yeah. we've had this discussion plenty of times about different yep. types of leaders. And Jordan Love is not a very vocal guy. At least he doesn't seem like it. But, you know, behind the scenes, this is why we say that we don't know all the shit that's happening behind the scenes. Nobody knew that he was hosting dinners every, every week for the wide receivers and he was inviting the defensive players and, like, that's cool, man. Like, yeah. Jordan Love is 100% a great leader. This this team is obviously backing him up. We've seen it since week one. So, We've seen it since the offseason when they were all saying, we love playing for this guy. We noticed the difference in his, voc- yeah. his vocalness in the huddles. Yeah. It's These guys aren't just saying this stuff just to say it. And you know what? <clears throat> I'll, I'll, this is the last thing I'll say before I hand it over to you, Tyler, is the one thing that you can notice from the last couple of years is the the love of the game is back and the fun is back in Green Bay. Yeah. Cody said it well. He says it says a lot about your character when others bring up what you do and not you bragging about it yourself. Yep. That actually goes back to a, a great Chicago Bears quote from probably the greatest player in their history. When you're good, you'll tell them about it. When you're great, people will tell you about it. 
I'm with it. Reggie asked what you think the contract will be. Honestly, I would be happy at this point if they could do five for 200. I, I literally do not care. I'm not trying to, like, skip around your question. They could just say, we're going to sign Jordan Love to this. I'm going to be like, sign me up, boy. I'm with it. He's here. He's locked up. I'm we like, ride at dawn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Jake, I'm glad you brought up the, the pre-snap because I we, we talked about it a little bit with one of the blitzes that mm-hmm. the, uh, the Vikings ran, and he read it perfectly, knew where to go with the ball before the play was even snapped. Yep. Uh, and changing things to make the plays have better chances of success, that's a big deal. Um, I want to call it two misses that he had. Um, he threw two deep balls, one on the first play of the game he overthrew. And then one, there was um, a third and one just under a minute left in the first uh, the first half when they were you know maybe seeing if they could get back in a field goal range. Um, Preston Smith ended up making that a moot point. But my thing is, is that he's overthrowing passes that he used to underthrow. And I believe that he's going to find that sweet spot. He's already getting yep. better at the deep ball. Uh, yep. This week, I brought up his deep ball, 125.8 rating on 20-plus yard throws. So he's already getting better at it. And people in the earlier in the season were like, oh, he doesn't have the arm strength to throw a deep ball. He can't throw an accurate deep ball. Maybe just give him more than eight games of experience before saying he can't be a, a franchise quarterback. Like well, we said, thought. give him time. There's no substitution for game reps. We only said it a thousand times. Not to mention talking about how young this team is all around. He doesn't have a, a Devonta Adams or a Greg Jennings you know, to coach him through, you know, being with new pass catchers. It's all rookies and second-year guys. <clears throat> What's up, James? Talking about Jordan Love. Simon already brought up that he was fantastic under pressure. And here's my thing. All of his throws at any depth were out on average in 2.83 seconds or less. That tells me that he's being decisive. Yeah. So he's reading, throwing. He's just taking the first read that's open and available, and he's slinging it. I think that tells me how much the O-line is giving him time, too. True. And it's I don't know how you have any possible complaints about him at this point. Tyler, I said it this afternoon. If you don't know that Jordan loves a guy, I seriously question your football IQ. All of, his, all of his wide receivers were wide open. Two things. So he's making One. the good decisions? Yeah, yeah, right. right. Okay. <laughs> Do you not want him to throw it to that guy just so he throws into a tight window? <laughs> oh, you're too wide open. Uh, yeah, I'm I can't do it. Can't <laughs> do it. Yeah. Sorry. No, I want you to throw to the guy that's covered so I can play like Bitch about it on social media. Be, be closer to the DB, please. Yeah, right. Let him catch up. <laughs> I need to complain about the floor today. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> was open. Why do receivers can't get separation? But no, it, what it comes down to, one, it's good scheme. Matt Lafleur is a good play caller. Matt Lafleur is not going anywhere. That needs to be said again because people are still. Oh, he's in the locker room. Oh, God, I've yeah. seen that shit too. Yeah, I agree. And then second of all. Jake and I talked about this a little bit when we, when we broke down some of Jordan Love's highlights from last week is he's throwing with timing and anticipation. And not only that, if you watch, we again, we, we highly recommend the QB school on YouTube. Uh, he'll, he'll, he'll show you the throws and break them down individually, every single one, and show you where he's throwing the ball to receivers 
so that they are being thrown open or thrown away from contact. That's that's a that's a big deal. That's like a next level quarterback thing is to throw a ball away where a guy has to reach back this way when there's a safety coming from that way who could level him. So he throws him in a way that it takes him away from contact. Stuff like that is that's next level. So again, can't recommend the QB school enough. Hopefully, future guests of the show, but that's, yeah. we'll see. <clears throat> All right. Anything else you guys want to say? Jordan Love going into the Bears game. All right, I'm going to start with Bryant's notes on the offense. (coughs) Bryant said for the Packers' offense against the Bears' defense, this is the Bears' Super Bowl. They're going to be fired up coming in to try to spoil our playoff chances. Running the ball is likely going to be very difficult. But like I said, going into the Vikings game, even if you aren't finding great success, you have to run the ball to keep them honest. You can pass on this team as they've given up 29 touchdowns. However, Love better be on time and accurate with his passes because the Bears defense has a league-leading 22 interceptions. Yeah. We'll have to watch, but I have a feeling the Bears may be doing some gamesmanship with Jalen Johnson, so we'll see if his status changes. But if he doesn't go, that's a big loss for them, especially with Kyler Gordon also being added to the injury report. He hmm. said Montez Sweat has been really good for them, but their pass rush shouldn't be too huge of a threat if the Packers' whole line continues to play the way they have. Uh, he said the Bears have struggled against tight ends, which is very good for the Packers. Uh, giving up 97 receptions for 781 yards and seven touchdowns against them on the year. So if we have both Musgrave and Kraft, look for them to be highly involved. Damn. I'm just going to say, on the Packers offense, they are rolling. 33 33 points back-to-back weeks against two teams that have been playing decent defense. True. True. And do they have a road? That's that's my question. Do they have a third one in a row in them? Another green, another three-game stretch of great football like they went from the Chargers to Detroit to Kansas City. Easily. Simon, what do you look for from the Packers offense against the Bears defense? Yeah, uh, so the players to kind of watch out for, uh, Brian already mentioned Jalen Johnson. I've seen conflicting reports on whether or not he's going to play or not, yeah. but he's having one hell of a year. Uh, he's only allowing a 33.3 quarterback rating and only 195 yards in coverage. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> TJ Edwards, ever since week one, has been absolutely solid for them in the middle of the field. Over 100 tackles, 57 stops, three interceptions, and he's he's just super good in coverage. Uh, and then he mentioned Montez Sweat. Eight, he's had uh, eight sacks since coming over to the Bears. Um, 36 pressures and a forced fumble. Um, but I think what's going to work for the Packers this week, uh, the, the Bears do a really good job kind of mudding up the middle of the field with their two linebackers. So they're going to have to hit a lot of vertical routes on the outside. Uh, this is a good week for Christian Watson and Dontavian Wicks to come back too. Yep. And yeah, and you and we mentioned already previously potentially Luke Musgrave. So, yeah, uh, Jake, what are you looking for from the Packers offense? So actually, I have a stat on Montez Sweat, and it's six sacks since the trade because he had six and a half sacks with uh, the Commanders, and he leads both teams in sacks this season. He'd be the first player in NFL history to lead two teams in sacks for an entire season. I just thought that was an interesting stat. Not trying to give too much credit to the Bears, but Montez Sweat's been very good since he got over there. Uh, Jalen Johnson's obviously a really, really good player, but you know, you talk about a number one corner. Usually, the job of a number one corner is to take away an X factor wide receiver. 
And as Tyler has pointed out the entire season, the Packers don't really have just one guy that they hyper-target. They kind of just spread the ball around to everybody, right? And for an offense that could get uh, Christian Watson back, uh, Romeo Dubs and Dobbs, Dubs, whatever you want to call him, uh, and Jaden Reed are ties for eighth in the NFL with eight touchdowns. So you have both you have both those things going for you. You can get a tight end back that can run 22 miles an hour. And then you also have a tight end that wants to run everybody over, including your strength and conditioning coach. <laughs> and then also Aaron Jones, who looks fresh. This offense is absolutely on a roll. I know the Bears defense is playing better too, but we're going to be at Lambeau Field, okay? The Bears haven't beaten us since December 16th of 2018. Yeah. Yeah. Nine straight W's. We're going for 10 That's straight W's. Five years, dude. That's, That's wild. That's like some AFC, NFC matchup numbers. Yeah. They're dude. in our division. We play them twice a year, dude. We got to play them at their place every year. And they haven't beat us since 2018. That's terrible. They, dude, they thought this was their year. They thought this was their year. They're like, oh, we finally got Aaron Rodgers gone. And then it's just like, bam, 38 points. I don't even remember that game either. The first week, I remember it. I remember Aaron Jones going crazy. No, the last time the Bears beat the Packers. Oh, I I, I remember the Packers were trash. Was that a Brett Hundley start? Huh? Was that a Brett Hundley start? (sighs) That's a good question. Oh, I'm looking it up right now. Oh, okay. No, that was a Rodgers start. Oh, okay. Yeah. He went 25-42, 274, was, and nope. an interception. Yeah, because that was the year where he hurt his leg week one. We came back and won. <clears throat> yep. And then he, was, oh, he played right. the whole year hurt. That's right. I remember that now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let me bring that up. But, you know, Packers offense, I mean, they're just they're just getting better every week. You could tell in their rankings overall in the NFL as well. So, mm-hmm. love improving is improving everybody. These, this offense, dude, the sky's the limit, seriously. Switching over to the defensive side of the ball, um, Bryant said, do whatever you need to do to make Fields beat you with his arm in all caps. I don't remember uh, this, dude. Given up 45 sacks, so it's enticing to go after Fields, but they cannot let him run wild, so we need to hold contain. If we want to sack him, maybe bring some more safety inside linebacker and cornerback blitzes. Justin can make some great throws, but it's not nearly as consistent as he makes plays with his legs. This team needs to run the ball to be productive, Ooh. be prepared to at least slow it down. If we give up 200 rushing yards like we have in uh, previous weeks, we'll probably lose this game. Moore is a great receiver. Komet has been pretty good, and they will have to involve their running backs in the passing game, which have not been super productive. But aside from that, there isn't too much to be worried about. Their deep threat in Mooney is out. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm going to talk about this later on too. But I think with Campbell is off the injury report, which is very big. Yep. Um, I do think that with a week of preparation that Eric Wilson will be better than he was at first when he was very first subbed in last week. I agree. He's a, he's an experienced player. So for me, looking at Eric Wilson now backing up Campbell and Quay, he's going to still play some snaps because obviously Campbell and Quay are not both going to play 100%. Quay might, but I don't expect Campbell to play 100% of the snaps. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> if Eric Wilson needs to play some snaps with a week of preparation, um, I think he'll be fine. And then my other thing, and this is going to come up more as the, we get through these segments, but Justin Fields, I believe, is playing for his job. Oh, I, think if, <clears throat> I think if he plays well, the Bears will have to consider keeping him. 
I said this in the first time we played him. I want Justin Fields to play just well enough that the Bears commit to him long term. Because unless a lot of other things change on their roster and coaching staff, I still don't think he's the guy to win them a championship. Now, what I'll say on Fields the person, we've said this many times, and I will say it again. I love Justin Fields the person. Yep. Yeah. He's a great person. So I would love to see him go to Atlanta or Pittsburgh or Vegas and succeed. I'd be happy for him. But I want to see him, if he's in Chicago, play just good enough where the Bears are like, we should probably give him another year. (laughs) So, Simon, what are you looking for from the Packers defense? Uh, Yeah, Uh, DJ Moore. (laughs) He's kind of their guy. I mean, uh, Khalil Herbert's playing great, too. He's had two uh, 100-yard games last two weeks and over five yards per clip. Uh, DJ Moore is having the best season of his career, and he looks he looks really good. Um, uh, I would say the weakness, kind of their right side of their offensive line. Yep. Um, Lucas Patrick, Nate Davis, and Darnell Wright have been lackluster at best. Now, Darn- I like Darnell Wright a lot. I liked him coming out of the draft. Uh, he's still a rookie, and he, he's still kind of playing like a rookie. I'm looking for Clark and Gary to kind of feast on them all night. But Bryant kind of already set it out is like you you can't you can't make mistakes as a pass rusher. Justin Fields has the wheels. It, you, we don't need another Danny DeVito game where he's just running up the middle for yep. 10, 15 yards. Um, so just being a disciplined pass rusher and uh, yeah, it's not getting too far up the field. Yep, that's gonna come up more. Uh, Jake, what are you looking for from the Packers defense? Yeah, so the thing that's been consistent with the the Bears offense since Justin Fields has gotten there is the running game has been good, right? And obviously that shows in their ranking as their second in the NFL in, in rush average. Uh, but also the other thing that's been consistent is the passing offense has not been very good. And again, that shows right here. Um, and people want to talk about the thing that's sad to me is we came into the season as Packers fans being like, all right, our expectations for the season is to find out if Jordan Love is the guy, right? Mm-hmm. I need to see some good plays, need to see some some wild plays, and maybe lead us to some wins, be successful in area A, B, and C, right? Improvement. They're still doing that with Justin Fields in year three. Yeah. I don't know if, like, you need me to, like, raise a red flag for you, but that's a red flag. He's got, like, what, twice as many starts as Jordan Love? He has, like, 40 total passing touchdowns, dude, and Jordan Love has 30 in his first third, starting year. So I went in and I, I took a deep dive into some numbers, right? And I'm going to compare Love to Fields right now because everybody wants to do that, right? So in terms of QBR, Jordan Love, 10th. I didn't add all the people who have like six starts and three starts because that's just not fair, okay? All the people who have double-digit starts, they're in. So in, in, in this criteria, Love is 10th. Justin Fields, 22nd. Not great. You go to completion percentage. Okay, Love is 19th, Justin Fields, 29th. You want to complain a little bit more about about Jordan Love's completion percentage with first and second year wide receivers? Yeah, okay. You go to passer rating. This is where it gets really bad. Justin Fields, 22nd. So, I mean, he's a bottom third quarterback, any way you cut it, right? Jordan Love, 11th. And then also you add in that Jordan Love is third in touchdowns. He has 30 passing touchdowns, right? 
Brock Purdy has, has 31. He's sitting this week, so he's obviously going to jump in. And then Dak Prescott has 32. Nobody's saying that he can't lead the NFL in passing touchdowns, dude. Think about that. First year Jordan Love's going to lead the NFL in passing touchdowns. What a storyline that nobody saw coming, right? So, not Let me throw this out there, too, that he's only had – Seven or one interception in the last seven weeks. Yeah, since week twelve, week eleven. Um, it's week eleven. Yep. Yeah, week eleven. The Chargers game. He's only thrown one interception. Yeah, so that's crazy. And uh, I am going to bring up a little bit more about the running backs. So, just a little sneak peek for you. All right. Go to X factors. Bryant. His X factor is Jair Alexander. If he can shut down DJ Moore, this will allow more attention to be paid to the running game. I completely agree with that. Um, <clears throat> so for me, <clears throat> looking at X factors, mine is health. Mm. This is the – I didn't get to a chance to look at the exact snaps. I wanted to know the exact number of snaps that Watson, Dobbs, Reed, Wicks, Musgrave, Kraft, um, Heath, Melton – did I say Wicks already? No. Wicks and Aaron Jones have played together healthy. Probably as many fingers as you're holding up right now because Aaron Jones has been out for six weeks. And then you add in that Watson was out for probably six weeks. And the last four. Yeah, so seven weeks. Yeah, probably ten snaps as well. That's – I mean, that's all of the guys healthy for the offense or expected to be at least healthy for the offense this week. Yeah. In the final week of the season. This might be, you know, overall the healthiest Packers skill players have been. Yeah. <clears throat> so Love might have the full complement of weapons. So at this point, honestly, I care less about the Bears defense than I do about their offense. That's fair. Cody said Lucas Van Ness will be an X factor. Jake, I'm going to go to you because I've been going to Simon first. So, Jake, who is your X factor? Jaden Reed. Get this man the ball. He is electric. It doesn't matter how you throw it to him. Down the middle, throw it to him on a crossing route. You hand the ball to him. The guy is electric, okay? He has eight total touchdowns. Yeah, look at this. Look at this, dude. Look at this, dude. Bye. Bye. Yeah, terrible angle. You suck. Get off me. That that 44 is Natellis. That's the dude that took a ball away from him the first time they played. Dog. And And now Jaden Reed is grittying on you. Yeah, that was filthy. That was filthy. At the top of the route, that was filthy. Yeah. That was filth, dude. I mean, just come drag on. that dude five yards for the touchdown. Come on, dude. <laughs> so, Jaden Reed has eight touchdowns, like I said before, tied for eighth in the NFL with his teammate, Romeo Dobbs. Reed has eight, eight total touchdowns or 10 total touchdowns from scrimmage. Only one other player in the NFL has at least eight receiving touchdowns and two rushing touchdowns. Do you guys know who it is? Debo CD Lamb. Uh, but you know, another superstar wide receiver. So I, well, I mean, yeah. He's probably gonna be all pro for sure. Oh, hundred percent. He's a monster, dude. He's breaking like all of Dallas's records. So I mean, if if you're if you're in a category with C D Lamb this year, you're pretty good. As team. a rookie, is that good? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Let's it's go okay. ask Facebook. You think that's a good idea? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know if I want Facebook's opinion. Unless it's coming from our following, because we have I've I think we built a, a good following. That's it. Simon, who's your X Factor? Uh, mine is tackling. 
I, like I, don't, I didn't I didn't name a person. I, I think like the way that the Bears have run their offense is a lot of bubble screens and uh, just running back screens out of the backfield. So getting up on them and making the tackle on the first contact is going to be imperative for the win. The Packers actually did really well on that in the week one matchup. I they know did. Got Nixon and Darnell Savage, I believe, yep. were the two that blew up screens before the Bears could even really get them set up. So I like tackling. That's a good one. <clears throat> okay. Moving on to matchups. Uh, Bryant's matchup that he's watching is the Packers offense versus the possible surge of health. Look at this guy. Taking the words right out of my mouth that I said before. <laughs> Although it's great that everyone seems to have a chance to go, it could also cause some issues because the young guys haven't got their play together all that much this season with the shiny toys possibly available. The Packers need to be careful not to be too cute with their game plan. I mean, it's it's a problem you want to have, to have too many guys to try to get the ball. Yeah, well, got to be like... Force the ball to guys, but the thing is, is we're looking at it as like, how are we going to get the ball to everybody? And the Bears are looking at it like, fuck, how are we going to cover everybody? Man. Because every That's guy lines up in every spot. I wanted to get out of this wide receiver one depth chart mentality. We can name 10 guys that we will comfortably get the ball to in any situation. The Bears only get to play 11 guys on defense. <clears throat> Obviously, all 10 pass catchers or skill players aren't going to be on the field at the same time, but play in, play out. It's not like, okay, it's, you know, this guy is in on this play. We can ignore him. Every single player that the Packers put in on offense can be a threat on every single play, every single down, every single distance, every single situation. And the Bears have to account for all of it. You can't sleep on any of these guys at any point in the game. True. My matchup that I'm watching is the outside linebackers versus Fields. This is something that we've pretty much been tiptoeing around this whole time. And it's been a problem for the Packers at times this season. I will say they've gotten better at it. But it's guys like Rashawn Gary and Kingsley and Igbari keeping outside contain on the edges. So that's that's my matchup to watch. Jake, what is your matchup to watch? It's my matchup. You know, usually you hear people say it's quarterback versus quarterback. I'm going running back versus running back. Aaron Jones versus Khalil Herbert. So the last two weeks, Jones has ran for against Carolina. He ran for 21 for 127 and zero touchdowns against Minnesota. He had 20 carries for 120 yards and zero touchdowns. That's 41 carries for 247 yards, no touchdowns, but a six-yard average. Khalil Herbert against Arizona had 20 carries for 112 and a touchdown. Against Atlanta last week, he had 18 carries for 124 and a touchdown. So that's 38 carries for 236 and two touchdowns. That's a 6.2-yard average. Now, the scary thing is when you look at their season averages, they both have 120 carries. Jones has 545 yards and two touchdowns. Khalil Herbert has 583 and two touchdowns. So their stats are basically like identical. Back. Yeah. Wow. Like they're mirroring each other. So whatever team gets their running back going, it's going to be a big thing and what's really going to decide this game. Interesting. Uh, Simon, what's the matchup you're watching? Uh, I got Jordan Love versus the Bears inside linebackers. There's a really sick play in week one where um, Jordan Love almost throws this like no look uh, pass to Jaden Reed on a third and 10. And so a little more manipulation on the linebackers. And I, even though they're a little tough in the middle of the field, I still want to see them. I mean, Jordan Love's been really good at working the middle of the field this season. 
So that's why I'm uh, looking forward to. I like it. <clears throat> Simon, I'll let you go first. What's your key to the game? Uh, staying disciplined in the pass rush. It's pretty similar to mine. Mine is keep contain, bring fields down the first time. Yep. Good one. Um, Bryant says protect the football. The Bears defense has lived on forcing turnovers. We can't let them win that battle. Jake, yeah, what is You're going to like this. I think you're both really going to like this. I was cooking with this one. Zach Tom holds up against Montez Sweat. Tom ranks 18th out of 69 tackles in pass rush nice. win rate. Nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> All right, Jake, what's the weather looking like? The weather. All right. So in the morning, we're going to get some flurries. So you're going to see a bunch of posts about uh, snowy yeah. at Lambeau Field. It's going to be nice. gorgeous. <laughs> I got I got all this stuff from AccuWeather, so do not kill me. I am not the weatherman. <laughs> you are the weatherman. But you are our weatherman. I'm the weatherman right now. You are weatherman. But at the game time, it's going to be 36 degrees. Real field will be 29 degrees. Winds will be west-northwest at 8 miles per hour. So, honestly, for this time of the year, that's pretty mild. I won't lie. That's a good day. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty chill. I mean, I remember being at the ice bowl and it was so cold. Oh, you were there too. I was there too. I, I was there. Yeah. Oh, you, I mean, went to the game. Were you there? No, I just walked outside. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I thought everybody was there. What kind of guy looked like you? It's it's a solid <laughs> negative fifteen outside right now. <laughs> right. Oh, so no, you can just walk outside and know what it was like <laughs> yeah. when we were there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just uh-huh. use my imagination. Yeah, I mean, a 70,000-seat stadium, and there was 150,000 yeah. people there. It's wild. Yeah. yeah. And everybody's dads. Everybody and their dad was there. Yeah, okay. and, and they, they were all the ones that gave the ride to the Packers players because their cars yeah. didn't start. So, I mean, it's just it's crazy. Yeah. I can't believe it. I like when they do this. Dude, that's fun for me. Yeah. We get the joke about everybody saying that they were at the ice bowl. Yeah, that's good. Uh, going from the head, Bryant's score actually mirrors Mike Spofford's 24-20. I have Packers 28 to 20. Ooh. Simon, what's your score prediction from the head? 28-23 Packers. All right. I have another 30-point outing for the boys. 31-21 Green Bay, baby. I like it. From the heart, Bryant has 27-17. From the heart, I'm letting it fly. 33-16. Okay. It's pretty close to what I got. I got nice. 31-17. Nice. Nice. I have... All right, Jake, tell us that you're dropping a 40 bomb. I really, oh, God, dude, I really wanted to just say fuck it and go crazy. I really did. But I was like, I'm going to try to be a little realistic. So I just have us doubling them up, 34-17. You can see it. I wanted to say 42. I really did. Believe me. But I just I mean, we were close week one. That obviously included a defensive touchdown, but that is what it is. Yeah, I'll take one of those too. I mean, yeah. All right. So our last Simon says for the season, Dang. potentially for the regular season at least. True. Our bowl predictions for the game, offense, <clears throat> Bryant. Whatever Fields' passing yards and touchdowns are, Love doubles them. He's wild. Bro. Said passing <laughs> touchdowns and running. Wait, what? Passing yards and pat whatever his passing stats are, like yards and touchdowns, he says love will double that. No, dude, I mean, he's wild okay. for that. 
Yeah, that's that's a little much. Fields, Fields has been playing well the last few games. Imagine I think he be, throws for two fifty. You're telling me you think Love's gonna throw for five hundred yards, dude? No, no, he doesn't All think right. Love. He doesn't, I, he doesn't. He doesn't think he's throwing for two fifty. <laughs> I don't think either. He's either. Last week he threw for two sixty eight. He would have to have a game where he's like running the ball wild. Yeah. I don't think I'm, I don't think the yards. I can see the touchdowns though. I can see touchdowns. I can yeah, I can see one and a half. What if we say one and a half times his yards and two times his? Yeah, yards. yeah. yeah I can see that. So like if he has, yeah, if he has, passing yards, then Love has three fifteen. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see that. I'm good. I'd be down for three hundred game. All right, mine on offense is four passing touchdowns for Jordan Love. His first that's, week of four passing touchdowns. Last week he had three in a rushing. That's wild because mine is Jordan Love has five total touchdowns. <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> do it. He could have last week. He could have had he the four have. and one. Yeah, he could have. Yeah, he could have. All right, Jake. Um, what about you on offense? All right. No Green Bay Packer has ever run for 120 yards in three straight games. Oh. Aaron Jones is going to break the streak. Give me that. Give me that. That's what I'm saying. Make it Packers history. I like it. Give me that. All right. Defense. Bryant has Jair comes back with a vengeance and secures a pick six to steal the game. (laughs) That'd be sick. As as much as I I mean, I'd love that. If he told me he got a pick six, I'm for it. But to steal the game, that'd be wild. Lambo would go. If he's just talking like fourth quarter and we're up by like three touchdowns. Is it? Would you consider that game? I would ceiling? say if it's like a dagger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like if we're even, up, like even they if get desperate, three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. That's a dagger, dude. Like yeah. if we're up two scores and then we and get that's a the third one, that's a dagger. Yeah. Or okay. Yeah. Even, yeah. Even if we're yeah. up like even say we're up sixteen and it's a two score game. Yeah. Yeah. I would or, take that. Or if we're up ten, and and he gets one that makes it a seventeen point game. I want I mean, Jair to be good so bad, <laughs> bro. Lambo would be going nuts if he did that shit, dude. <laughs> okay. Mine for the defense is uh, Justin Fields has three turnovers. <gasps> so close to mine. I could see that. He's, he he's fumble prone. I mean, it's. Yeah, he is. Oh, you bastard. Stop talking. <laughs> Stop talking. Justin okay. Fields three has turnovers. Three, three fumbles. Is that yours? No. I have four turnovers. Three of them Dang. are fumbles. Oh, Damn. Okay. Preston Smith is getting one, so we know that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and I really, I really think Kenny Clark's gonna have a big game, dude. He's been playing some really good football the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it, you can't double him, and you can't double Gary. So you basically have to chip Gary every play and double Kenny Clark, right? Well, oh. Devontae Wyatt's a great pass rusher. Yeah, so, Devontae Wyatt's been kind of underrated. He is. He has been. We didn't talk about this either. You can't block Quay Walker with running backs anymore either. Oh, that was sick move by him. Oh, I forgot about that play, bro. He's bro. Dude, he's <laughs> been falling the last couple of weeks. You see, he got his ass ran over too after Quay kind of swiped him. Look, look at he just. <laughs> oh, Eric Wilson just yeah. run into him. <laughs> Man, yeah, what a great play. Yeah. Man, great, great job by Quay there. Put the hand up. I was just thinking that too. Yep. Man, what a play. So, I mean, it's possible. Fields definitely is fumble prone. He's turnover prone, but I know this. It's going to be crazy at Lambeau. 
and uh, Justin Fields is going to feel like an idiot after talking. Also, Jaquan Brisker, can, you, can can this guy shut up? Didn't he talk shit week one, too? Dude, yeah. he talked yeah, shit, he... and then somebody just brought up the quote that he said after the that. game of week one. Did you see that? About, uh, oh, I've been oh, thinking yeah. about DJ Moore's quote. He said, he said, they'll get theirs. Yeah, we will. We'll score another 30 points. We'll beat you again. And then you can go back to Chicago where you have all this stuff to do. And you can enjoy your offseason early like, like you always do. So congratulations on having a lot of shit to do in the offseason. Because you know yeah. what? You're not playing playoff football, you bum. I think my favorite part about like Justin Fields saying there's not a lot to do in Green Bay is everyone's acting like he's the first person that said that. Right? <laughs> and you know what? I was thinking about this. There's plenty of stuff for normal people to there do. Is. There's plenty of stuff. We're normal people. So for him to say they're going to be loud because there's not much stuff to do in Green Bay, there's plenty of stuff for us to do. There's not a lot of stuff for people who have stupid amounts of money like you for you to do. That's why you're kind of people. I mean, there is in the bag, he's getting all of his, you know, his vacation time in early. But Right, right. But, like, <clears throat> don't tell me you're spending the entire offseason in Chicago freezing your balls off in negative 13 because I don't want to hear it. You're not. You're traveling. You're going to go to someplace warm. You're going to go to a beach, Miami, you know, California, Mexico. I don't know where you're going. But <laughs> you know what You know what we should do? When this game's over, if the Packers win, because I will give the disclaimer, if the Packers lose, it's not like some terrible choke job or like, oh, my God, how could this happen? The Packers should have won yeah. this game. Like, the Packers are exactly where we thought they'd be. Yep. yep. We all said in the preseason somewhere between 7 and 10 and 10 and 7. And if they play their cards right, they could have a chance at the playoffs. Yep. They are exactly where we thought they'd be. If they win and they're in, great. If they lose and they're out, we wouldn't be super shocked. Obviously, coming down to the last game of the season, you know, it's it's set up for some drama. But that said, if the Packers win, we should go back to the beginning of the season when people were sharing the pictures of, of Justin Fields, like all working out and all his ripped and pictures and stuff uh, like that. And they were showing Jordan Love when they were all like hanging out on the boat and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. And they're like, oh, this is our quarterback and this is your quarterback. And be like, this is your quarterback. These are his stats. This is our quarterback. These are his stats. That's good. That's good. All right. Yeah. So. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us all evening. And thanks again to Mike Spoffer for jumping on with us. And, again, we're just going to shameless plug for ourselves. But Jake and I are going to the Senior Bowl. We are doing a virtual raffle. You can send the show page a message if you're interested in getting in on a 50-50 raffle to help us uh, fund our trip for the Senior Bowl. It's going to help us with our draft prep and hopefully help us make some connections that can help us do more things with the show so that someday in the future we can do this all day, every day, Man. and have this be a – be our main our main job that's our goal so uh again if you're willing to do that send the show page a message we'll get you some ticket numbers and uh, we're going to announce that on january 24th other than that go pack go and we will talk to you guys soon
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.